This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Tomahome. And I'm Jenny. And we're talking new releases, recent arrivals, but mostly new releases, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. It has been. I was looking back at the last time we'd done it. I think it was October. We've been busy. There hasn't been a lot of new, new arrivals, um, so why don't we get through those and then uh, we'll talk about uh, all the new stuff that's out that we haven't received that we want. Yes, definitely. I think it's a kind of a lull time in publishing after Christmas. <laughs> I was at the comic book store yesterday. And they they showed like the they have three shelves uh, for the past three weeks, and there was tons in the week before Christmas, and tons in the week of the week before Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and the week of Christmas, there was four titles. Hmm. One of them was like Spider Man number seven hundred or something. But I've I've been reading those the past couple of them. Uh, the Spider-Mans? Yeah, that's a, that's a really creepy uh, storyline. It, it was a very expensive comic. It was like eight bucks, I think. Really? But yeah. it was super thick, so. Oh, good. Yeah, th- there's definitely a lull with regards to comics anyways. and um, There might be one with regards to audiobooks, but you wouldn't so, know that from looking at Audible. Right. So, so, now Dr. so now Dr. Octopus's mind is in Peter Parker's body. It's really weird. <laughs> and then uh, he, he goes dating all the, his girlfriends and stuff <laughs> so where's Peter Parker's body he's, I mean, he's stuck in Doc Ock's de- de- decaying dying body uh, and well, he might possibly die in the last issue that'll, that'll be the last issue 700 oh really yeah that's surprising mm-hmm. hmm well they're gonna like do something radical and then probably retcon it later huh yeah, probably. That's that's. Seems but I happen. but I hear the the uh, writer is getting death threats for the possible things that are going to happen. Oh please! Uh, when when you got <laughs> hundred issues behind it, there's a few collectors out there who are, are going to be pissed off if you if you end it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're getting old. Yeah. At this point, I think if you started at the beginning of Spider-Man, you're, you're going to be old. Let's let's move on past okay. the, the Spider-Man section of the podcast and start talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so whip. to my front door, I've gotten five physical books and then one digital. So I guess we could start with a non-science fiction fantasy one called The World Until Yesterday, What Can We Learn from Traditional Societies by Jared Diamond. I've read uh, a couple of Jared Diamond books. I, I'm a big fan of his writing. He's very interesting. He always finds interesting things. Yeah, they seem, seem to be well-researched, too. He's the, what is it, germ, germ, germ steel guy? Yeah. It's 19 hours, 16 CDs, so it would be a time commitment. But um, it looks like, I'm trying to find a really short explanation. Um, so it's going back to cultures like the New Guinea Highlanders and talking about what people did in quote-unquote traditional 
societies as far as child rearing, elder care, dispute resolution, physical fitness, that kinds of things. What can we learn from them? It's he's been there before. That's his. Uh, that's actually where he. I think he got started. Is is New Guinea, uh, but yeah, I, it says it's drawing from his own field work. So this isn't you know secondary research. It's his own. No, uh, I think the other stuff is uh, no, but that that's I think his primary. Like uh, in the guns, germs, and steel, uh, there was a I think a guns, germs, and steel TV show based on the book. Um, he he was talking about that's how he actually got started uh, being this kind of writer um, is is in the New Guinea Highlands. So it, uh, it's going back to the original stuff, I guess, that he was working on. There's an interesting connection to me here because when I was an undergrad and I was a music major, I took a world music class that changed my career direction and the research paper I wrote that semester was about the Kaluli people of the New Guinea Highlands. Huh. And what, what did you say about them? Well, um, there had been a lot of scholars that had done their own field work that talked about how all the melody lines were based on birdsong. Huh. And all of them resembled also waterfalls. <laughs> huh. like the things they had in nature. They were using nature in their song creation. So, just kind of interesting. It might actually be go- interesting to go back and listen to this to learn about the other parts of the culture. Mm. That's uh, I, I only thing I can think of that's similar to that is that song "Blackbird" by uh, the Beatles. I guess it is, or maybe it's not the Beatles. <laughs> it's just uh, Paul McCartney. Right? There's a little line in there, or oh, not line. I guess a little clip from the bird. It's. It's not something we don't normally do in in music, is it? Replicating birdsong? Yeah. Or natural sound. I think we're far enough away from it where you can't just ah. show that that's what causes it, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, though, there was like the sound of the city, right? Uh, what we would do is our natural sound is honking horns and trains hmm. and stuff like that. So There's maybe. some really interesting pieces for concert band that do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think John Caller has a whole album based on uh, birdsong. And he claims birdsong is microtonal. So he, he gets the oh, exact yeah. pitches of the bird. Mm. Yeah, we'll have to link to that so people can hear it. Should, uh, it should be interesting. Uh, who's the narrator on this book? <laughs> who's the narrator on the audio book? Oh, the narrator, uh, Jay Snyder. And this is put out by Penguin Audio, by the way. Hmm. Yeah, I might be up for that. What, what's next? Okay, next, Unnatural Acts by Kevin J. Anderson, read by Phil Gigante. Gigante. I always yeah. say the name wrong. Um, this is from Brilliance Audio. It's eight discs, so about nine hours. And it's that Don Shamble zombie PI. We've seen a recent one of his. Mm. This is number two. So, you know, it's set in New Orleans, and he's a detective... There are vampires and werewolves. He's a zombie. <laughs> I, they, they do good covers on these. Yeah, the covers are really cool. It's, uh, some Looks like he's with a ghost. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Zombies and ghosts. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, linking to the birdhouse. Uh, I see. 
I, I just like the descriptions. If something smells rotten to a zombie, you're in serious trouble. Oh, no. When a local senator and his goons pick at a ghostly production of Shakespeare in the Dark, ha, 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 condemning the troops' unnatural lifestyles, Dan smells something rotten. <laughs> <laughs> something rotten in this state of Denmark. Oh, my God. This is terrible. <laughs> I get the impression that they're a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Throw in a hairy hitman, a necromaniac, and a bank robber who walks through walls, and Dan Chambles' plate is full. Maybe this time the zombie detective has bitten off more than he can chew. Our oh, heart. My <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> necromaniac, what's that? Uh, I don't know. I guess I listen to it. Um, the first book was called Death Warmed Over. Right. I think. I, I I don't know. I'm oh, <laughs> I think tongue in cheek. I I'm almost compelled to listen to it, but Kevin J. Anderson, he's um he's a little bit too prolific, but he can write good. That's the thing. He can actually write good. Well, I, I'll I'll do more research on it. You know how I am, Jenny. I can't I can't just sit down and commit. I have and to I research think first. Paul Paul reviewed this, or he is going oh. to. The first one. The first one. So if you're interested, someone's yeah, opinion. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I think the next one is is got Tam's name all over it. <laughs> Definitely. Chicks Kick Butt. It's a it. compilation. Short stories. Um, edited by Rachel Kane and Carrie Hughes. And there's a bunch of readers. It's put out by Brilliance Audio. Ooh. And they're all original stories from uh, urban fantasy and paranormal authors. Each story features a strong heroine who kicks butt and takes names in a dangerous world and makes that world a better place for everyone except the bad guys. <laughs> so let's they, see. They all have their... that tattoo on their lower back. Yeah, I'm sure they do. <laughs> <gasps> um, uh, Rachel Kane, Karen Chance, Rachel Vincent, Lilith St. Crow, P.N. Elrod, Jenna Black, Cheyenne McRae, Elizabeth Vaughn, Jeannie Stein, or is it Jean? Carol Nelson Douglas, L.A. Banks, Susan Crinard, and Nancy Holder. Those are the authors. Mm. Um, let's just see if there's a. Yeah, it's been reviewed on Amazon. Let's see what they people have to say. Great sampling of powerful chicks in action. Uh, I can't get over the fact that it says butt instead of ass. I know. <laughs> I actually couldn't find it for a while because I kept searching for chicks kick ass, and then <laughs> it's not called that. It's it, uh, yes. It's so it's PG thirteen. PG thirteen butt kicking. <laughs> well, except, except there's this part of the description that says if she finds a bit of romance along the way, a little heat warms the heart and sharpens the mind. So hmm. there might be a little more than that in there. It's all good. Let's see. Fun Light Frolics. With a nod to Chicks Ahoy anthologies, Chicks Kit Butt is an urban fantasy collection starring feisty females. Many of the 13 entries occur in respective authors' universes. Rachel Kane's shiny stars a, weather, stars a weather warden, her gin lover, and a rookie fighting terrorist. A rookie fighting terrorists? Okay. Karen <laughs> Chance's In Vino Veritas... You know, that's got to be the most common title for short stories. Uh, I've seen that like about 40 times as a short story title. Uh, concentrates on d damn fear fighting Chinese gangsters. I don't know what that means. Rachel Vincent's Hunt. 
focuses on Rookie Werecat. We got a lot of rookies. Hmm. Uh, battling predators. Lilith St. Crow's vampire searches for monsters, but re- rescues a werewolf. In 1937, P.N. Elrod insists vampires prefer blondes as a vamp and his nightclub dancing best gal battle an ancient bloodsucker. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's not for me. Maybe this is for Tam. Yeah, it's not really for me either. I like some of these authors, I'm, but it's just isn't. I mean, I guess if you want to sample the whole genre, this is a good way to do it. Oh, absolutely. There's a oh, there's a Harriet Klausner review here. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, but I, I had a theory going that that Jenny was actually Harriet Klausner. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> just because you read so fast, it, it mm-hmm. makes it possible that you're actually her. Maybe we are all Harriet Klausner. <laughs> <laughs> Fans of various this is what she says. Fans of various series that populate most of the compilation will enjoy the latest actions of these chicks kick butt. Though the format size and limiting serious theme does not allow much plot development or satirical skewering, still these are fun, light frolics as a as the gender bending females kick the butt of their opponents, including males. Um, it, it's almost like it's a program because <laughs> it doesn't quite read as a good sentence it's it's almost like what they do is harry klausner is like a is like the web come alive and it goes to dictionary.com and looks for synonyms and then makes sentences and then moves it around with a description of what's in the actual book that's just that's just a uh, sounds like you're saying you smell shenanigans there (laughs) oh yeah a lot of people have it's very interesting you can you can look up the Harriet Klausner. Uh, uh, last last time I checked, there's still no definitive. Uh, yeah, so born 1952, reviewer of newspaper, a book reviewer, grew up in the Bronx, but uh, <laughs> says Klausner has been criticized by those who question whether she actually reads the book she reviews, given the time taken to read a book. The number of reviews Klausner publishes per day and the comments not being actual reviews so much as thin rehashes of the book's own press blurbs. She also has never given a bad or even mediocre rating to a book. Every book she reads is either a four or five star. Hmm. Stanley, her husband, said she is soft. I won't deny that. (laughs) In more ways than one. Uh Well, maybe maybe she's not uh, reviewing them as much as she's just looking at them and saying, you know, check this off the list. And getting paid for it? What's that you were saying you were doing, Tam? Huh? Speed dating books. Maybe that's what she's doing. Right. <laughs> well, that's Jenny's term. Mm-hmm. Right. But so I, uh, I've taken it on. I, I, I think, is that, no, we've got more. Yeah, we do. Next oh. up. Uh, the Merchant of Dreams, which is part of a, either a trilogy or a series, it's Knight's Mask Number Two, Mask spelled M-A-S-Q-U-E, um, by Anne Lyle, and it's read by Michael Page. This is from Brilliance Two, and looks like a fantasy with shipwrecks, swordsmen, and some kind of creature called a Skraling. <laughs> Skraling? How do you spell Skraling. S-K-R-A-Y-L-I-N-G. It's a mystical creature from the New World. Oh. He and his twin brother share a soul that once belonged to that creature. I believe S-K-Y? S-K-R-A-Y. S-K-Y. Skray. 
S-K-Y-A-R-L-I-N-G, scraling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like the term that the the Vikings gave to the native peoples of North America. I could be wrong about that, but that might be interesting. It's a it's the right period. This is uh, it says it's um, the court of Queen Elizabeth, so that'd be Queen Elizabeth the first, first. Mm-hmm. not the second. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be talking a contemporary book. Um, yeah, when Mal's dream about a scrailing shipwreck in the Mediterranean, hmm, okay, maybe not, <laughs> proves reality. It sets him on a path to the beautiful but treacherous city of Venice. I wonder what this is about. It's interesting. It's an angry robot book. Does that tell us anything? Um, I'm They're not all sure it tells us anything. There's robots in it, right? Well, they tend to sign authors that are just starting out too, so that's nice. There's a the cover's gorgeous. Yeah, it's it pretty. Looks like a woman holding a like a lantern. Oh, it's it's not the first book in a series. It's no, it's number two. Okay, uh, but there's a couple positive reviews. Mm-hmm. Worthy and fantastic sequels. They say decent sequel, but main character and relationship fell flat. Hmm. Well, and this all says. His name is Mal. That uh, that I think <laughs> getting overdone. That's getting overdone. Next one. All right. Next is Area Fifty One Night Stalkers by Bob Mayer, performed by Eric G. Dove. It's seven discs. Brilliance audio. Um, Staff Sergeant Winthrop Carter has just been drafted into the Night Stalkers, an elite group of soldiers that dot dot dot. Actually, he's not sure what they do. (laughs) So let's see. Their orders include tracking down and sealing tears in our reality that are releasing interdimensional beings known only as fireflies, creatures that take control of both living and inanimate matter in order to unleash wanton destruction. Uh, if this is one I re- was reading about, uh, it might be he's he's drafted into the Night Stalkers after found to be cheating on uh, on uh, the entrance requirements for a for special forces. Yeah, yeah. And and I thought, oh, that's and it didn't like you know it it was like oh that's good <laughs> you cheated you're good enough to you you cheated so well you're good enough to be in our Secret, secret special forces team. I thought, oh, hmm. that's kind of clever. A lot of reviews for it. Mostly positive. Let's look at the worst one here. This <clears> book <throat> description sounds so much like a Vince Flynn book. Only the names have been changed to avoid the royalties. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know who Vince Flynn is, but that's <laughs> possible. Well, maybe. Um, I don't know. Area 51? I are we worried about that? Worried about it? Yeah, with their hiding in Area 51. Maybe we should be. Maybe this book will tell us. <laughs> yeah, well, we've had so many answers, right? All those Men in Black movies and such. I think uh, even one of the... Will- Actually, more than one Will Smith movie has, has explained what's going on at Area 51. Is that the right number? I thought it was a different number. Area 51? Oh, okay. Sure. Well, the book title itself, if if people are looking for it, is just Night Stalkers. I think Area 51 is oh. the name 
I don't really know where Area 51 falls on here, but when you look it up, you have to look it up under not Night Stalkers. Okay. So you know. That's, why, why am I thinking Night, uh, Night Stalkers? Area 51 is the series. That's where it is. Okay. So is it. this the first book in that series? Can you tell? Uh, hmm. Let's see. Yeah, I enjoyed it and can't wait till the next one comes out. <laughs> you know, when I say series, that makes me think that it's a long-running series so long that they can't even tell you what number it is. Yeah. It's really embarrassing. But I could be wrong. Maybe it's the first in the series. Maybe they're just planning it to be the first. Well, we Maybe do they're all like standalone, mm-hmm. but in the same universe. That's possible too. Oh yeah, that can be. It sounds sort of like the first in a book a series, right? We've got the character being introduced. I mean, on Goodreads, it doesn't say that it's a series, but then the first review does. Yeah. So, don't know. They must know more than we do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a game. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Be. All right. Let's so see. the last one I have on here, this is actually um, came through from Random House Audio. It's called Scoundrels Star Wars by Timothy Zahn, read by Mark Thompson. 13 CDs, 14 hours. I don't, I don't know if we have a dedicated uh, Star Wars reviewer. I know Scott's a big fan of the, the Star Trek ones. Right. Hmm. I've never seen Star Wars, so probably wouldn't be me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Timothy Timothy Zahn is uh, an old Star Trek uh, Star Wars writer. Yeah. He wrote a very famous. Yeah, Tam, you were mentioning that, right? Yeah, I read the the Thrawn trilogy. That's like one right. of the first. I read Star I think Wars the time. first book of the trilogy, uh, and maybe as an audiobook. But uh, I don't know if he's been working as a Star Wars writer much since then. He has written some sort of uh, space opera stuff that isn't licensed. But um, I, I, well, I think I've only read one of them. He's he's like a, a space opera writer, but you know, this is a hand solo book more than anything else. I think it kind of sounds like Ocean's Eleven, like it's some kind of. A- yeah, I think that that's sort of what it's going for. I think this is the young hand too, instead of the uh, the seventy year old hand that uh, sort of. If you're following the the current. I think there is like a post uh, Return of the Jedi book series that includes the Thrawn trilogy. No, Thrawn trilogy is in between the movies, I think. And then there's sort of a, a whole developed world where uh, Han and Leia get married, and I don't know. The Wookie, yeah, they have kids. They have little furry Wookiee babies or something. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, And then there's a bunch of like um, other. Star Wars uh, characters made up just for the the book series, mm-hmm. like Mara Jade, and uh, right. maybe he was even in. Uh, I think he might have created Mara Jade. Yeah, and they 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 somehow tie into the games as well. Like um, there was the Dark Forces game that was uh, sort of a contemporary of the original Doom, and that was uh, I think tied into the. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's kind of interesting because Star Trek has been a really shitty developer of continuing storylines in the books whereas star wars the one thing about lucas is he he said you know make it consistent and i think it's been fairly consistent so that the people who read the star wars books 
especially in that long period after Return of the Jedi when there was no Star Wars movies, they had sort of a Star Wars universe kept alive and consistent and not retconned as, you know, we were talking about with uh, the Sp- Spider-Man's been retconned a thousand times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that has not, I think, been done in uh, the Star Wars book series. So, it might it might be interesting to find out where it fits in the the thing, but we we've got to find a reviewer who who loves Star Wars more than life itself. Yeah, someone who knows the whole whole set of things. The cover is funny though. There's- I kind of like something Timothy's on said in an interview that uh, he doesn't rely on threatening characters with death for suspense. He relies more on like problem solving. Mm. So I kind of like that attitude. Yeah, that is a good attitude, especially since uh, you're not allowed to kill anybody in the Star Wars universe, right? Uh, well, oh, they, um, it kills someone major did die. Yeah, I don't want to give it, it was, away. I don't think he was that major though. I think he was like a, I don't know. Yeah, it, uh, norm- I, I can't say anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so okay, we- so that's it for recent arrivals. Yeah, but okay. Scott Scott got one a while ago, and I, he even posted it on the site. And I want—I think this is the most exciting audiobook oh, okay. out in a long time. It's called Fantastic Imaginings. Did you guys see that post? Send you the link here. To go back and look at it. There it is. I think that's in the right chat window. You see it? I hope not. (laughs) Anyways, it's... uh, Oh, okay, you've got it. All right. So this is uh, a collection, apparently... uh, Or collection anthology, it's something. Compiled, edited, and introduced by Stefan Rudnicki, with an introduction by Harlan Ellison, read by various narrators, including uh, Rudnicki and Ellison. And... It is designed for Jesse, I think. Check check out the contents of this book. Uh, Oliver Onions, Guy de Montpassant, Harlan Ellison, John Crowley, uh, Algernon Blackwood, Euripides, Robert Silverberg, Ambrose Bierce, Robert W. Chambers. Harlan right. Ellison reading John Crowley. Yeah, and Jonathan Swift. Lewis Carroll, Shakespeare. Queen Hatshepsut. <laughs> um, it's insane. This this is the biggest, coolest collection of excerpts and short stories and everything. And it's it's all collected in different categories. And it's 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 fantastic. <laughs> Literally fantastic. A journey through three thousand five hundred years of imaginative writing comprising fantasy, horror, and science fiction. So amazing. It's organized There's three essays at the end. Yeah, it's organized into seven seven sections. Um, does that mean it's seven CDs? I don't know. I don't think Scott said how long it is, but um, let's see. Uh, the myths we live by, and so this goes from uh, Silverberg and Crane and Blackwood to Euripides. Uh, Myths that bite. Walt Whitman, Barry Payne. I'm not familiar with him. Robert W. Chambers. That that story is insane. That's awesome story. 
the yellow sign. Uh, 22 hours and five minutes. And an inhabitant of Carcassa, I was just reading that the other day. And the Horla, of course, is one I'm, I'm in love with. Shocking Futures from Kublai Khan. Uh, read, you know, read by Kublai Khan by Samuel Taylor Coleridge, the poem. Read by Stefan Rudnicki. That'd be awesome. And a pail of air. That's wow. That's one of the best science fiction stories I've ever, I've ever read. Have you guys read that story? Nope. No. It's set on an Earth that's been taken out of its orbit. Uh, some black hole or something passed through the solar system, and the Earth is spun off away from the sun, and it's getting colder and colder and colder. And there's a family trapped in a city, and they've got like a thousand blankets between them and the outside to keep the heat in. And the father asks the son to go out and get a pail of air to feed the fire. <laughs> so the air in the Earth's atmosphere is is falling out and turning into uh, something you can pick up with a bucket. It's freezing. It's amazing. Uh, Fritz Leiber writes science fiction. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He wrote a couple of novels as well in science fiction. But it was Sword and Sorcery. Is that too? Uh, excerpt from Utopia. There's Ben Bova in there. Traveling Fools Transformers. That's not what you think. <laughs> or that meets the eye. No, it's not that. That's like Doc- Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And... Uh, a Midsummer's Night's Dream. Uh, I I don't know how this I don't know how this got made because this is not a normal audiobook. I don't know how. I guess he just said, "Hey, I'd like to do an audiobook. Can I put together something?" And they said, "Sure, whatever. Go for it. <laughs> Fun." But it's great. It's it's mixing everything. It's got poems and excerpts and modern stuff and and new stuff. I think it's going to be fantastic. You know, this would be a great um, companion book to a class, like a semester-long class. Basically a class, I think. It's it's yeah. sitting down and, yeah, it, it's got the introduction. It's called Lofty Ambitions by Harlan. Hmm. Maybe Eric Rapkin can use it. I wouldn't be surprised. It's it's a, The only thing is, is he's more textual-based, but I, I think this would be a pretty cool hardcover book as well, especially, you know, having it as a companion you could flip through and maybe see see some illustrations mm-hmm. yeah and the cover is cool the name is cool <laughs> it's something i would pick up off the shelf to look at you know apparently it was recorded three years ago that was what scott was saying um but it's just just come out now so <laughs> maybe it took that long to get the rights to some of the newer stuff well, no there's i mean it's possible but uh because it's not it's not timely, right? It doesn't have to come out any time, uh, you know, exactly. Because it's not tying in with a movie. It's not to rush to fill that zombie market that maybe is dying, <laughs> right? It's It could come out any time. So whenever there's, you know, something that comes up that has to go ahead, uh, they could just bump it back. And I think that might have been what happened. I'm very excited about this one. I hope Scott gets it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's it for the major recent arrivals. There might be, have been a few other ones that. Well, the- there were a few um, that were digital 
um, but they've already been reviewed for our site. So I don't know if you want to talk about those or not, but like the, the Santa, I can't remember the names. I'm going to have to go look it up. Okay. Uh, Sam, what did you get for Christmas? You mean non-book related? Oh, you're not sharing all your Christmas presents with us in a recent well, I got, I, well, I got it. I have three bookstore cards. Woo! I can buy either drinks or books with. Wow. And I got a rice cooker. <laughs> because my old rice cooker burns the bottom of the rice. Sounds like you're playing with the with the uh, with the rice cooker. <laughs> Maybe. Um. We can talk about ripoff. That's a pretty cool project. Uh, uh, did we get that? Was that digital? I'm not sure. Um, did they send it to us? I don't think so. No, I don't think they sent it to us, but it looks like a fun thing. Hmm. That's where they take a famous first line from some story, and then they write a new story based on it. Yeah. I think we're moving into the uh, the section we call new releases. Oh, okay. All right, let's talk about ripoff. Who, who, uh, who's got that? I, I think somebody's somebody posted it up, right? I think I may have just tweeted it because it sounded really exciting, but I haven't listened to any of it yet. I think I got an email from Audible about it because sometimes they'll send me emails like, hey, you read these science fiction things, so maybe you should try this. <laughs> um, I was reading somebody's tweet on on Audible saying uh, saying that they were they got one of those emails, but it was uh, recommending them buy their own book, <laughs> and she she was really happy. <laughs> Says you bought this and this and this. We recommend you buy this. Oh, that's great! It's like yay, they like me. Hmm. Uh, right. So uh, this has John Scalzi, Jack Campbell, Robert Charles Wilson, Mike Resnick, Elizabeth Bear, Ellen Steele. Basically, all the living science fiction writers, right? Mm-hmm. Seems like it. Lavi Tidar, Mary Robinette Cole, Tad Williams, James Patrick Kelly, Nancy Kress, Paul DeFilippo, Paul DeFilippo and Gardner Dizawa is the editor. Hmm. Hmm. So, all different narrators, too. Oh, really? Wow. Oh. Stefan Rudnicki. Oh, yeah. Will Wheaton and Jonathan Davis. Yeah. Our friend. Indeed. Um, so let's look at the the premise. Okay, in the world of ripoff, call me intri- call me Ishmael introduces a tough as nails private eye as <laughs> a harpoon. The wonderful Wizard of Oz inspires the tale of an aging female astronaut who's being treated by a doctor named Dorothy Gale. Oh, I don't know that reference. Dorothy Gale. Dorothy, I get Gale. I don't know. Dorothy Gale. That's Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz. Is that oh, your a- last name? Yeah. I don't remember that from the story. Huckleberry Finn leads to a wild ride with a foul-mouthed riverboat captain who piles, oh, plies the waters of hell. And once you rip in, once you listen to rip off, you'll agree if Shakespeare or Dickens were alive, <laughs> they'd be ripping off the authors in this great collection. <laughs> That's saying a lot. Yeah. The stories included are Fireborn by Robert Charles Wilson, The Evening Light by Mike Resnick. No Decent Patrimony by Elizabeth Fair. The Big Whale by M. Steele. That's got to be the uh, Call Me Ishmael. Oh, no, maybe not. Hmm. Maybe those yeah. are the 
ones. I wish they gave all the first lines or something. I want to know where those are from. The Lady Astronaut of Mars by Mary Robinette Cole. As a bonus, the authors introduced their stories explaining what they ripped off. Oh. Okay, you know what? I, I'm interested in this. I, I like a lot of these authors. You know, James Patrick Kelly, I'm a big, big fan of. And John Scalzi can write good. Mary Robinette Cole, she has written for us, so she's obviously awesome. And Alan Steele, good stuff. Mike Resnick, great stuff, right? Mm-hmm. We've got some good writers in here. Produced yeah. in partnership with Sifwa, <laughs> Science Fiction Fantasy Writers of America. Owned yeah, it kind of sounds like a project that would come out of a conversation, you know? Yeah, yeah we should all do that. <laughs> Putting something together. They were talking at a bar one night and said, hey, Exactly. Hmm. Let's do something a little different for a change. Uh, do we know if this is a um, uh, only digital audiobook version, or is there a uh, ebook, or is there a? I don't know. I think book? it's made for Audible, but then usually they have a print version later. Hmm. They've done that in the past. Yeah, this is this is a pretty cool, um, you know idea because it it gives you it gives you the nice assortment that you get in a regular anthology but with a lot more freedom you don't have to fit to the the standard line of you know chicks kick kick butt sort of thing where you know it's a it's a very narrow thing this this can be basically anything within the genre as long as you you know start it with whatever piece you like Hmm. They don't have to worry about the bookstore. I want to read a review of this. I want somebody to uh, tell me about all the different stories and how cool they are. It does look like it is only audio for now. Um, there's information about it on John Scalzi's website, so I was looking there. Looks like fun. So should we talk about some other things that are that have come out recently or are coming out? Mm-hmm. Um, one I have down is the audiobook version of The Testament of Jesse Lamb. I think we've talked about this book before, maybe back when I was reading it because it was longlisted for the booker. Um, but I'd, at that point, there wasn't an audio version. Um, but now there is. It's eight hours long, and it's read by Fiona Hardingham. No, no, so, a rogue virus that kills pregnant women has been let loose in the world, and nothing less than the survival of the human race is at stake. And it's about this um, 16-year-old. It's not really a YA book, but it kind of feels like it sometimes. Um, basically, for the human race to thrive and to make it through their kind of post-apocalyptic world, uh, these women, these young women, have to turn themselves into zombies because anyone who gets pregnant dies. And they kind of turn into zombies. Not really zombies. I'm using that term loosely. Um, it's like their brains turn off. Sounds like a Christian book. Like, like, <laughs> like, don't have sex or you'll die. Well, but they want them to in this situation. They want them to donate their bodies to the human race. And they don't get to have normal lives after that. So, I guess mm. it could be that taken to the extreme. But mm. it's a little horrifying, actually. I remember reading it earlier this year. Uh, so, if you like post-apocalypse... <laughs> did you finish it? Yeah, I did. Um, it's, it's the most similar thing I can 
think of that it's like that I've read is uh, the Children of Men, by yeah. Peter, which I think is a pretty interesting book. It has that feeling to it. it has um, Handmaid's Tale feeling to it quite a bit. I, okay. Kind of mixed with um, the Scott Westerfield YA books, like The Uglies, where you know there's something that happens to these teenagers. And they don't have any control over it. They have to do these things for the betterment of their society. So it's dystopia how, to how the extreme. The, the Uglies books? Uh, I would say they're very YA focused. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read the first one. Yeah, so I mean, they're, it's a good idea. Yeah, well, it says Air Skateboard. new one. But, That's what I, like. uh, I I think it might be interesting. It depends on how it's handled and. Uh, the the fact that it's a series kind of scares me. Yeah, uh, I think I only read the first one. Okay. I think you can read the first one and, and just leave it off. I mean, it has uh, kids that they all get operations to look perfect. Yeah. And then before Except for look- the, P, the few that are like, no, this is wrong. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Which I think sends a good message to kids, to teenagers, you know. On the uh, PDF page on the website, you know, I'm obsessed with making PDFs out of things. Uh, the second one on that page is a Charles Beaumont story called Beautiful People, which was turned into an episode of The Twilight Zone, um, I think called Number Six Looks Just Like You, Mom, or something like that. I and remember it, that. Yeah, I, I might be wrong on that, that title, but the, the short story is very, very nice. Um, and it's, it's exactly the same premise as Uglies. So it's <laughs> not a new idea. It's just in a novel form and with a sort of modern take on it rather than, you know, from the 1950s, it might be a little more interesting, especially now that, you know, you've got a lot more in the terms of, uh, plastic surgery than we had back then. Right. And, you know, that's kind of a regional thing, too. Since moving to the South, plastic surgery is way more commonplace down here than it was in, a, in the Northwest. So wow. I don't think it's just a time thing. I think it's a regional thing. Why would that be? That's I don't know. Peer pressure? <laughs> <laughs> so are you feeling the pressure? No. <laughs> I'll just be an ugly. <laughs> yeah. Uglies, pretties, and then something else, right? That's how the series goes. Uglies. Yeah, I can't remember. Right. And something else. Others. <laughs> There's a Ted Chiang story like that, too, liking what you see. I haven't read that one. Oh, yeah. I'll have to find that. I, actually, I think Scott Westerfeld, who wrote Uglies, talked to Ted Chiang about his story. I think I inspired to write his book because of it. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I think that that's a... Uh, that's a topic episode of SFF Audio. Oh. Uh, prettiness. Or, no, no. Beauty? As- aesthetics. <laughs> right. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, but there, there's... there's some and we're experts at that, so we should do it. Oh, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why people listen to the podcast, uh, is to hear our expert opinion on the beauty of these books. Hmm. Hmm. That's right. You know what, I, I was thinking of Octavia Butler's Bloodchild before, when you're talking about getting pregnant and stuff. Oh, yeah, that, I haven't read that really, one. What's it about? No, that's that creepy story where the aliens mate with the humans in this farm. And uh, on 2000X, they did an audio version of it. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I think I sent you the MP3 a long time ago. 
Yeah, hmm. it's really good. Um, it, it's 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 creepy because they're like vampires, but they're also loving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's 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 like it's almost it, like the aliens are bugs and they they stick like a needle in men. Yeah, and, and they suck juice out in them. Yeah. But they still love you <laughs> while they're draining you. Yeah. It's very creepy. It's the intention. Yeah. <laughs> she's a she's a writer worth going back to, I think. Oh yeah, I love her. I I've just been saving some of her books. I know this is going to sound crazy. I've done this with the second Mary What's her name? Mary the person who wrote The Sparrow. Mm, Mary Adoria Russell. Yeah, I've been saving the sequel to that because I love the first book so much that I don't want to read the second one because then I'll be done. <laughs> did you hear, uh, I think Scott and Julie did a talk on that book, the first one, The Sparrow. Did they? Because I think I've so, been trying to get them to do it. I didn't know they had. Maybe I'm wrong. The Sparrow. It would be great for them to talk about. But Octavia Butler is the same way. And I, I got a copy of Kindred. It's her time travel slavery book mm-hmm. oh right i'm gonna read that for the around the usa reading challenge this next year um because i think it's set in maryland <laughs> um when is when are you gonna do that when am i gonna read the book yeah sometime in 2013 well maybe it's a read-along yeah that'd be nice because i've uh, heard it's really really fantastic yeah for it there's an audio drama of that too floating around somewhere i think it's been posted I don't think so. I think that's uh, a different thing. Yeah, oh, maybe you're right. Maybe with the slave right. that goes back in, in time. theater, maybe. Yeah, yeah, well, that would be worth finding, because that would be really nice to hear. Yeah, I think it's a five-part or something. I mean, we posted it. I don't know if the link still works. Yeah, it's sort of... it's it comes and goes. It's, uh, it's on archive.org is, I think, the last thing I, I... last place I saw it. Okay, we'll check for that. Mm-hmm. So, well, next up, story in it. I have another one that I kind of stumbled across. That um, it looks like it's produced by BBC Radio. It's a full cast production, which we don't see that much of. It's called The Cleansed. Oh, it's a post-apocalyptic adventure <laughs> of our times, season one. <laughs> oh, Jenny, Jenny, we have this as a podcast. Oh. <laughs> this is Fred Greenhalge's uh, production uh, for his final rune. Uh, company, which is out of Maine. We had it as a as a podcast. You weren't on that podcast. I've not listened to that one yet. <laughs> um, this is totally unplanned. <laughs> Tam, you were on that, right? Yes, I was. Yeah, like recently. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny should listen to the podcast more. He, he, he lives like on a farm with no civilization around. Yeah. yeah. So, Homesteaders. It's off the grid. Yeah. Well, it sure sounded good. <laughs> it is good. It's episode 176. Okay, I'll go back and listen. And we even have the cover art, although ours is not cover- colorized what, like uh, it is on Blackstone. But yeah, Blackstone picked this up. Oh, okay. Uh, and after after we had it as a podcast. Oh. Episode. And it is, uh, it's pretty interesting because it's, it, I, I was like getting worried. I was thinking, oh, is, is Fred like on a, crusade to convert me to some religion and he's not exactly he's he religion is really forming the background for it but he's not taking a particular stance on it i don't think maybe he just wants you to be a prepper no you know? not really i don't <laughs> think so it's 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 pretty interesting what, what were you gonna say about it <laughs> oh you know there's just so much out there that's post-apocalyptic 
Doomsday. There's even another one coming out the end of January called The Disaster Diaries, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and to Love the Apocalypse. Mm. That one's by Sam Sheridan, and they haven't even listed who the reader is, so I guess we'll see if it really comes out by then or not. Mm. Well, you are a Ms. Dystopia. I know. I always notice that stuff the most. You know, I kind of gloss over the 80 new uh, Dungeons & Dragons books coming out and focus in on the If you go to Audible and you you do a search by release date, uh, Audible Frontiers, that is, uh, the first couple of pages are all Forgotten Realms and Dragonlance, Ari Salvatore. (laughs) Can you explain this to me? I really don't understand. Well... if you yeah. go to the bookstore, at the end, there's like a whole huge section of Forgotten Realms books, and most of them yeah. are by R.A. Salvatore. And there's Ravenloft as well. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, so basically what this is, Jenny, is uh, in Dungeons & Dragons, there are sort of multiple different worlds where you can uh, adventure. And the Forgotten Realms is sort of the big one uh, that uh, sort of developed, I guess, out of the second edition of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and it sort of cr- made its own uh, uh, map, and it's you know it's like Tolkien's world except um, an alternate Earth. And then Dragonlance is is like a whole other universe, a whole other planet uh, with similar creatures but a different story and a lot more um, a lot more along the lines of a of a pro- not a prophecy. I'm trying to say more like a plot-driven um, you know, world. So the, f- the I think the the books came out at the same time as the modules, and so they they have like they don't have hobbits, but they have or halflings. I guess they're called. They have something else that's like them. Kinder, I think they're called. Which is at the time when I was a kid, I didn't realize that that means child. <laughs> but, <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, yeah, it's like uh, it's it's German for child. So, do people read these to develop the story of the game they play, or is it just because they like to immerse in the world, so it just makes them happy? Or like, are they a tool, or are they? Maybe no, they should start playing, Jenny. No, I don't want to play. <laughs> they're not. Oh, it's it's kind of fun actually. But <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you the way I read them. The way I read them was uh, because I couldn't get enough people to play Dungeons and Dragons with me. I'd be like, "Damn it, I want to play this game!" So I'd I'd read a lot of the books. But I think the people who read the books would also, uh, or who who play the game, also read the books. And it is it's a series. It's like series, endless series, right? And there are some recurring characters that are not. Uh, found in the games, in the modules, but there's often ones that are, and it. But there's like way more than I've I've even heard of because I stopped reading them, you know, I don't know in junior high school or something. So, so do you think the reason they're all coming out at the same time is that just because this is the first time they've been in audio, or are they all new? No, no, they're all. I, I think. Yeah, there's tons of them in print. So yeah, I think I think these are just they suddenly got the license for it and they said let's let's pour it on. I, I'm guessing that 
yeah, just looking at it, they're all different narrators, so they they're doing them all at the same time. Audible's just, you know, every time it gets some new author or some new company uh, to add to the collection, it just, you know, they churn out. it out. <laughs> totally. I mean, you saw what they did with the Philip K. Dick, right? They oh yeah, they got every book, not every book, but practically every book that's never been out before, and. I got them all out almost at the same time. Well, and that was Brilliance that did that, right? So it's the same company. Oh, okay. Brilliance is Audible. Audible. Oh, I know that. Amazon. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that either. That's brilliant. <laughs> so if you're a fan of conspiracy, Realm, Jenny, no. <laughs> they're all one big company. Yes, they are. It, they're different divisions, but um, hmm. you know, it's all it's all together. It's all the Koch brothers. Mm, no, I don't think so. It's Jeff Bezos or some somebody. But I do think that if you listen to Forgotten Realms, I mean, you're going to have hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of things to keep you happy. So and that's some good. Some of them are really good. You know, the Margaret Reese, Tracy Hickman books, those are the ones that I, I started with. And I was like, yeah, these are actually pretty damn good. I mean, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not deep in the way that Tolkien is deep, but they're adventure-y and fun, and, and they've got good characters and good plots. Um, and lots of good action. I mean, I think if you if 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 you can find action in books, these have them. Good. And I, I know that a lot of people do still read them and still enjoy them. Well, I, I think R.A. Salvatore used to be a bouncer, so he really knows how to fight. <laughs> uh, his big character is Drizzt, D-R-I-Z-Z-T, the yeah, Dark Elf. That's right. There's a lot of those books. I think mm-hmm. I heard that same interview. Yeah. Well, I'm the, one that, I'm the one that told them I, about that, and then they asked oh, him. But wow, nice there. Good job, Tam. Thanks. <laughs> He's pulling the strings behind the scenes. Yes, I'm the puppet master. So, hidden between all of those Forgotten Realms upcoming releases is oh, other stuff, yeah. a book Real- that's probably getting most of the press of our world is um, Memory of Light, the last book of the Wheel of Time. Oh right, yeah. By Brandon Sanderson, and the I don't know when the print comes out, but the audio comes out January eighth. And I can't find a description of it anywhere. Hmm. I think they just assume that you know, if you've been reading the series, last. it's just the last book. That's all you really need to know. It's the last book. <laughs> we don't need a description. So have no. you read all this, Jenny? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I've heard that Brandon Sanderson's done a really good job. There is a description. It's one sentence. Here it is. The wheel of time turns and ages come come and pass. What was... Oh, it's two sentences. What was, what will be, and what is may yet fall under the shadow. Yeah, that's not a description. (laughs) Yeah, it's not. I mean, that's like a description of the whole series, but, you know, I'm sure that it's really exciting. I've read, I think, the first three, and I'm not sure how many there are total. Um, That was a while ago. Maybe you can just spend a year and read all of them. Yeah. You know, I know people that they'll read the entire thing, and then they'll start at the beginning again. And these are the only books they read. Wow. So there are some people that really love them. I think Terp Kristen has read some of them. Probably. Or a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, when when you click on that one on Audible, it also uh, suggests um, a Larry Niven one we're going to do, I believe, called uh, World Out of Time. Which hmm. is uh, read by Tom Weiner, and it's not super long, and it's not uh, part of a series, as far as I'm aware. 
There's no Ringworld in it? No, but it's set in the same universe, or, sort of. It's based on a short story, story novella that uh, has been previously done as an audiobook. It's called Rammer. And uh, it is really cool idea. It's, it's got a corpsicle. A corpsicle is a person who's been frozen using cryonics, I guess, and uh, then thawed. But uh, because of the damage done by the freezing, the brain is uh, damaged, so they just wipe the memory and replace it with a new person. Um, uh, somebody from... Sounds uh, like Spider-Man. Yeah, it does sound like Spider-Man a bit. Um, but they use the, these people as... Uh, they put criminals in these in these people's bodies and then send them out into outer space as the pilots of uh, uh, slower than light, um, but very close to the speed of light, um, ramming starships. And uh, they go out and colonize the universe. And uh, it's very cool, very very good. Cool. Yeah, you know Larry Niven. That's he's just so brilliant when it comes to cool ideas, and and that's what you get. You don't get a lot of depth of uh, of I don't know character. No, you get a little. You get a little character. You don't get a lot of depth of metaphor. <laughs> you know there isn't. Okay. It isn't done like as a. It's all symbolic. There's no. Uh, yeah, there's no real, you know, there's nothing under the surface usually that is very interesting. Although what you do often see under the surface is is like yellow peril stuff or something like that. But uh, yeah, it, it's just it's all ideas on the page, and it comes across as very, very interesting, really fun reading because it's so imaginative and and good. Both both Scott and I will be in on this read. Yeah, it should be good. I, when is that scheduled for? Uh, I'll look it up. All right. Recording it on the twentieth, so it'll probably post week after or so. Oh, maybe later. <laughs> We've got. <laughs> All right, let's let's keep going. What else we got here? That was the last really compelling thing I had found. What did you guys find? Well, I mean, Peter F. Hamilton's Great North Road comes out January first, and actually, I've been going in the bookstore and kind of like asking for the book to trick them into giving it to me early, but they never go for it but I've, I've done that before successfully with another book but it comes out tuesday and it's weird like if you go to audible signed out it's there as already released but if you sign in you're denied it's not there anymore so i guess for america it doesn't come out till somewhere sometime after the first it's on kindle it says does that mean uh, you can't get it on kindle until january 1st i believe so hmm but he's like one of my favorite science fiction writers. He wrote Judas Unchained and uh, Pandora Star. Hmm. But he, he writes very long stuff with uh, good characters. A lot of good ideas, though, too, though. But it's a time commitment. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some very positive reviews here. Lift Off, science fiction at its best. A science fiction thriller that takes place to, in two, 2143. Hamilton handles multiple characters with extraordinary proficiency. He weaves the tale of suspense and intrigue in search of a killer who may be an alien predator loose on Earth that has committed a similar murder previous on an, previously should be on another planet. Um, that sounds like uh, The Hidden 
That uh, have you seen that movie? Oh yeah, I talked about it's it classic. before. Yeah, it's it's a classic piece of junk that is still really fun. Mm-hmm. What a piece of junk that movie is! It's great. <laughs> but but uh, this one is is really smart. Like if you read it, yeah, he, he puts a lot of intelligence into it. Um, who's going to be the narrator on that? Because yeah, it doesn't even show his um as a uh, audiobook yet. It must be um. A ways away. Hmm. Well, there's um. Macmillan's the publisher, so it's probably going to be a Macmillan audiobook. Toby a great... Longworth. Okay. Yeah, there's a great post on his blog um, that talks about the recording process of that specific book. So that'd be really nice to link to. Hmm. It's actually in two parts. It's uh, 36 hours total. Yeah. Wow. So it's a Oof, it's a door stop. It's a long one. Yeah, so it's been out on Audible since I think the 18th or the 15th. Oh, okay, it's already I out. Mean, for, no, for for UK, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So some of our like one of our reviewers, Paul, who's in Scotland, he's been listening to it already. Oh, bastard! I know. <laughs> I just looked at the list. He's 27 percent in. <laughs> can't, can't they pass a law that when things are released in digital, they're released worldwide at the same time? Oh. And Don't get me started. Can we, can we have Damn, a that's world government. <laughs> that's world government. That's new world order. I just don't understand it at all. Why don't they want people to buy them things? Buy can we form things? A, fed- a federation of, of e-media? Actually, you know what? I was reading Neil Gaiman's blog about his upcoming and last tour. This is the last time he's going to ah. do a book tour, oh. he says. And he said that part of the reason is that in the old days, when books used to come out in different countries at different times, it made it easier for him to tour and ride that wave. Mm. And now it comes out, his books at least, come out at the same time in the UK and Australia and the States. And he just, it's... Can't be everywhere. He can't. He's not Santa. (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't posted his schedule for where he's going to be, but I'm really hoping he makes it to the South because I would like to... I I bet he has a flying sleigh. I I think he'll... He'll probably go places later. Uh, it's just he won't be touring for those things, right? He, well, I think it's his last book signing tour. Probably not his last tour. But he, it, I mean, with his popularity, it must just be really exhausting. No doubt. He stays until every last person is gone. And if there are thousands wow. of people, I mean, that's that's a lot of stress. I think Tim Ferriss, the guy that wrote the four-hour work week, says it's not even worth it, the tour. So he just does, like, strategic appearances. Well, compared to... The 80% that gives the most results. Have you heard that audiobook, that four-hour work week? I've, I've read parts of it. It's, it's uh, Well, the audiobook is really fun because it, yeah. it does the same breathless thing that he does in the text. Um, and so in the text, it's, it's like, very concise. It's like, no bullshit. you got to get past it, right? Just do this. <laughs> it's very simple, right? Because he's trying to say, save time. So in the audiobook narration for it, it's exactly the same. It's like, just do this. <laughs> the narrator's sort of getting angry oh, at him. <laughs> no, it's not him. I don't think it's him. Um, the narrator sort of uh, uh, takes that on. And it and it, so whenever you read uh, Tim Ferriss, it, it's always very... Uh, it's got to just rationalize it. But what's so funny is because it's a book, it can't be short. It should be a pamphlet, right? Because he's trying to make you save time. 
but yeah. because it he has we to only have four talk, hours a week to work he has to say the same thing time. over and over again <laughs> in different chapters right i just think that's hilarious he has and a new book called the four hour book over and over again as well he has a new book called The Four Hour Chef, and uh, it's I think it's published by Amazon or something, so it won't be in stores. Yeah, it's like That's a com- competition. Late, this one's thirteen hours and four minutes. It should be, uh, you know, for the amount of content that it has, it should be maybe four hours maximum. I haven't read this one, but uh, the uh, the original Four Hour Work Week is. I think similarly, maybe nine hours or something like that, and it just it, it it feels repetitive. But in the it's kind of like a self-help book. Um, it feels like a self-help book in that they always sort of, they say the same thing in every chapter, but say it a different way and use slightly different examples. That doesn't sound like him. <laughs> That's not very no. efficient. Wow, it's it's if you want to sell your book, right? Got to make it book book thick. All right. What what else? Have we got anything else? Well, there's a, there's a ton of Mike Resnick. I guess they got his rights. Yeah, Mike Resnick. I saw Hal Clement in there as well. And Mike Resnick is really pro- prolific. So uh, they had had a bunch of his series before, but there's even more. And looks like some standalones in there as well. Any more? No, it was kind of a lighter, lighter month. I looked through the end of January mostly. I'll just skip in here and see if there's anything. Oh, um, yeah, that Mike Resnick one. The best rootin' tootin' shootin' gunslinger in the whole damn galaxy. <laughs> Tales of the Galactic Midway, book four, and then book three, book two, book one, all released within a couple of couple of days of each other i guess he seems uh, to write very succinctly like there's not a lot of description i i really like right it. the point yeah it's very i mean he writes short books generally um six hours eight hours something like that it's um nice it's nice flowing too uh you guys have both read uh i assume uh kieran yaga nope no no <laughs> all right you guys, that teach is us. Teach us. Didn't Luke say it was depressing? It is depressing. Uh, it's a dystopia, Jenny. You'll love it. Oh. Um, it's a utopia that is really a dystopia. Um, and it's actually a series of short stories all linked together um, to make a novel. And I believe all but one of them were released as separate short stories in mags. Um, and then they're all brought together and, and turned into a novel. I guess it's normally called a fix-up. But in this case, it's just a super powerful novel. Uh, and it's very different from most science fiction. It, it's you know set on a, a world in which there's almost no technology at all. It's, it's uh, the I- idealized Kikuyu utopia. Kikuyu being the people of Kenya. And okay, so it's kind of like African culture? Yeah, an East African uh, culture free from the white man and and colonialism. And in order to make it perfect, they uh, don't allow change. Uh, And that is dystopic. And it's really cool because the way it's told, it's told from 
the Mundu Mugu's point of view. The Mundu Mugu is the is the shaman, and he is of course a modern person, and yet the people he's helping or you know not ruling over exactly, but uh, guiding are a mix of people from Earth and people who are born there. Really fascinating and solid, solid book. Sounds really interesting. I'm going to add it to my around the world reading list. (laughs) And tomorrow when you finish it, (laughs) you'll say, this is awesome. Well, you know, I did that that year of reading around the world, but almost all of us that did that together are doing it for another year because we enjoyed it so much and we didn't read everything we wanted to read. So I read a book from Kenya this year that featured someone who grew up Kikuyu. So it would be a nice kind of contrast to that because of course that's Mm -hmm. fantasy, right? But Mm -hmm. this one was a true story um, from Wangari Matai who ended up winning the Nobel Peace Prize. Mm. So... It would just be really a nice contrast. So thanks for telling me about that. I'd never heard of it before. I don't think I've read anything by Mike Resnick yet. He's a he's a dialogue writer, so he doesn't do a lot of visual description. That's uh, fine. <laughs> back and forth, and it goes really fast, and it's yeah, he's just very, very solid writer. You like those Starship books, right? I did. I quite enjoyed them, even though they're a series, and astoundingly. Uh, but again, you know, they're like six, six, eight hours each. So, hmm. and uh, Kieran Yaga, there it is, uh, by Mike Resnick, read by yeah, Paul. That's a nice cover too. It's a, uh, it's a very solid book. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. 